Although there have been sporadic stories and definite urban legends regarding tainted Halloween sweets, genuine occurrences are extremely uncommon. In one well-known incident from 1974, a man in Texas very much on purpose murdered his eight-year-old son by giving his own kids cyanide-laced pixie sticks, a story we covered last year on Margs and Mayhem. Today we delve, albeit shallowly, into the tale of one other such candy tampering incident, leading your mom to tell you to watch out for razor blades. Welcome to Capers and Cocktails, a true crime podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously and gives you something to enjoy while you listen. The following content may be disturbing to some. Discretion is advised. If you're enjoying one of our themed cocktails, ensure you're of legal drinking age and have fun, but drink responsibly. This is a modern candy-style drink. It's based on a recipe from the Tipsy Bartender, which if you don't follow them, you should. They make really delicious and fun drinks. This one we're calling the Strawberry Pop Rocks, and it's actually a shot. You could double it if you wanted to make a strong drink, or you could just sip it like I plan to do. Sure, I plan to sip the shot. Anyway, to make the cocktail version of this shot, you're going to first rim a glass with Pop Rocks. If you're cool like me, that shot glass will look like a test tube. You can do this with a lime or if you want just a little bit of water. Side note here, I went to several different gas stations, two grocery stores, a Dollar Tree, and a random stab at Michael's before giving up. I ended up having to buy the Kool-Aid brand of popping candy. This is not a joke. Anyway, take that information and use it as you will. And by the way, you should look and see, like, does anyone sell Pop Rocks anymore? Back to the drink. Take one part strawberry vodka, half a part orange liqueur, half a part lime juice, and a splash of strawberry liqueur and put it into your shaker with ice. Shake until well combined and chilled and then strain straight into your test tube. Sip or slam. For the mocktail version of this shot, rim that glass with Pop Rocks. Don't worry, they're mocktail friendly. Then take half a part apple cider vinegar, half a part orange juice, and half a part lime juice and add those to your shaker with ice. Shake, 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 and then bougie strain into your shot glass. Then top with as much strawberry soda as you want. Shoot her back. When the villages felt the approaching darkness centuries ago on All Hallows' Eve, they turned to the old Celtic festival of Samhain for solace. People dressed themselves in disguises to blend in with the otherworldly beings during this time because they believed ghosts were roaming the terrestrial sphere. Over time, Christian and pagan traditions converged, and the evening before All Saints' Day became All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween. As time went on, children and the less fortunate started engaging in a custom known as souling, which is visiting the home of the deceased and offering prayers in exchange for soul cakes. In America, Halloween had developed into a gathering-focused event by the late 19th century. Children dressed up in costumes and walked their neighborhood, jokingly threatening pranks in exchange for treats, a practice that eventually became known as trick-or-treating. They did this by borrowing from European customs. The Halloween spirit still exists today, a joyful fusion of the traditional practices with contemporary fun, where both kids and adults enjoy the frivolous pleasure of dressing up and going out into the night, knocking on doors with eager expectation and tasting the sweet rewards of the season. 
But on Saturday, October 31st, 1959, trick-or-treaters in the Glenmore Gardens neighborhood of Fremont, California, got a little more than they bargained for in their sweet rewards of the season. Despite the claims of massive amounts of child unsafety back in the day, I know y'all have seen those pictures of kids just chilling in all parts of the car with no car seat, including the little ledge behind the back seat, or a child's toy that was an actual atomic energy lab with actual uranium samples, I could go on and on. Evidently, at least some parents were a bit alarmed, however, that evening to find something unusual in their kids' candy buckets and bags. But in this account, these parents discovered tiny white tablets with sugar coating at the bottom of the treat bags when the kids got home. They were shaped like a little ominous triangle. I don't know, are triangles ominous? Through some sleuthing, these parents determined that their kids had gotten these pieces of candy from the house at 4844 Norris Road. These true crime before it was popular parents then decided to set up a sting operation. They gave some of their other kids some empty treat bags and sent them to that house on Norris Road. When the man and woman opened the door, they tossed some candy into the bags. When the kids got home, the parents discovered those same triangle shaped tablets. As it turns out, not all parents in that neighborhood were uh, checking their kids' treat bags as carefully. About 45 tablets were tossed into the bags of more than 30 youngsters on that Halloween night. And spoiler alert, these were not smarties in fun shapes. Those tablets were nothing you'd want to eat after pounding back a bag of Halloween candy, that's for sure. They were candy-coated laxatives. Specifically, they were bitter aloe, or what the Hanford Sentinel described as a strong purgative. Purgative, a word I just learned for this episode, just means laxative. What a nice time the 1950s were. Just a strong purgative. And at least 30 of those kids, well, they did what all of us did the night we got a big old bag of sugar on October 31st. They ate it. And they, quote, suffered attacks of vomiting and diarrhea, which lasted several hours, end quote. And while no one was seriously injured in the event, no one even went to the hospital, it's possible they could have gotten really sick. According to one of the lab employees, Dr. Leonard Ortega, it was possible that a child eating enough of those could even have died from dehydration. And as many as 30 pills were found in some of the bags. And who was interested in seeing the children of the Glenmore Gardens suffer a fate worse than, well, not death, but something milder, milder than death? Well, Either through a sting operation or some other investigative technique, the candy-coated laxatives were traced to the house of a one 40-year-old Dr. William V. Shine, a prominent dentist in nearby Irvington, California, who lived at 4844 Norris Road. The following Monday, November 2nd, Municipal Judge Edward Quaresma issued two warrants, charging Dr. Willie with, quote, outrage of public decency, end quote, and unlawful dispensing of drugs. But evidently, old Dr. Willie decided that right after his poo-poo play, he was going to take a hunting trip to Idaho, so the warrants could not be served by the police as he wasn't at home or in his office. Suspicious. Evidently, he had chartered a plane for that trip, but then he called the airport on Saturday morning and canceled the flight, and instead decided to drive to Idaho? 
53-year-old Hazel Marie Engelby, his nurse, was also charged as a co-conspirator in the event. Evidently, she was the one posing as the good doctor's wife and handing out the pills at his house. Reports said that when she was arrested, she destroyed a business card by tearing and chewing up the card, and apparently it worked because officers could not piece it together and figure out who was on that card. Strange. She'd also been seen at Dr. Willie's house on Tuesday, November 1st, picking up his pet collie, which she dropped off at the dog's veterinarian office. Hazel was arraigned in the Fremont Municipal Court on November 5th on the same charges as Dr. Willie. How did they know each other? It's possible that she had worked at one point as his assistant, or they'd met when they were both members of an Oakland, California Army Reserve unit. Hazel was informed, wisely, by her attorney to keep her mouth shut. So she did. Dr. Willie did return to Fremont on Wednesday, November 11th to a house plastered with eggs and a yard full of recently placed garbage. He surrendered himself to authorities that night. He was wisely accompanied by his attorney, Richard Kaplan. Richie told him not to talk as well, so he didn't. Dr. Willie was released on November 12th on $1,050 bail or almost $11,000 in modern bail money for his two misdemeanor charges. I did a little looking because I thought that seemed a little low for a guy who literally poisoned children and then fled the state, but it's hard to tell if that's a standard amount because most people don't put laxatives into Halloween goodie bags. Fancy that. But honestly, it looked a little high in modern bail terms, so maybe it's the right amount? Hmm. The first court appearance for the Motley pair was November 20th, where they denied tricking anyone with candy-coated aloe. According to attorney Rich, quote, Dr. Shine did not give out the pills. As a matter of fact, he telephoned the police himself as soon as he suspected anything was going on in his neighborhood, end quote. What? The police department got no such calls. Obviously, Rich also said that William never had a pill of the type under suspicion in his house, which how would he really know if Dr. Willie was ever a little stopped up? I mean, come on. In January 1960, Dr. Willie was in fact found guilty of outraging public decency and faced up to six months in jail and a $1,000 fine or $10,000 in inflation ridden 2023 America. The second charge of unlawfully dispensing drugs was dropped and Hazel, who by this time had been suspended from her job at the Livermore Veterans hospital was acquitted of both charges because I'm guessing she was a woman. Though one time it's good to be a woman? I don't know. I don't quite understand how the trial went down, but it seems like once Dr. Willie, quote, submitted to the evidence of the police report on the charge of outraging public decency, end quote, there was no trial and he just got the guilty sentence. But because attorney Ritchie emphasized that Dr. Willie made no admission of guilt, it wasn't a guilty plea per se. According to the Los Angeles Mirror, quote, by submitting his case to Centerville Justice Edward A. Quaresma on the police report only, instead of going to trial, the 40-year-old dentist will have no admission of guilt recorded against him, end quote. Regardless, he ended up getting a suspended four-month jail sentence, two years probation, and a $525 fine. He paid the fine without comment. Too bad about that trial, though. They were expecting a standing room only crowd and had gotten together some temporary seating for all the people ready to watch Dr. Willie McPooperson go down. Evidently, the case really damaged Dr. Willie's dental practice. Oh, too bad. I don't know what happened with Hazel's job, but it's presumed she was reinstated because she was acquitted of the charges. 
Dr. William Shine was put on two years probation from the State Board of Dental Examiners in February of 1961 for, quote, unbecoming conduct, end quote. He had a couple of other run-ins with the law related to insurance fraud. Hmm. So did he do it? Of course he did it. Did she do it? Of course she did it. Why? Who knows? A joke? They didn't like kids. All I know is that those razor blades in the candy apple stories, these two are partly to blame for that. How dare they ruin Halloween for the rest of us? Well, ruin might be a strong word for it. Thanks for hanging out with me. I hope you tried out this totally badass shot, and if you didn't, you know you can find the recipe for it in the description box. Speaking of the description box, be sure to check out the drink ingredients for next week's episode too. These ones are so fun this month, so you should definitely check them out. Next week, we're doing our first haunting story, and this one is a doozy. Tell me more about how you like the things we're doing here at Capers and Cocktails by leaving a comment, liking, and sharing the YouTube, or leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening app. This costs you nothing and helps me increase my listenership. I appreciate you. I'll see you next week. And remember, there are always alternatives to trying to destroy the bowels of the neighborhood children.